Welcome to today's episode of the Blueprint Podcast, where we throw out the old blueprint so we can learn to become who we were always meant to be. I'm your host, Jason Smith. If you haven't already, make sure you click the subscribe button and share the podcast with your friends on social media and tag me in it at JaybirdFit. Today we have TikTok's very own Welcome to the Peasant Party dating and relationship chart master, Charlotte. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Peasant Party. How did we get to that name? How did that happen? How did you end up on TikTok? Yeah, so that's I guess I'll, I'll give the origin story and that'll yeah. be a mix of, you know, how'd I get on TikTok? Where'd the name come from? Where'd the charts come from? And how'd I get here? As far as just TikTok goes, I downloaded TikTok at the beginning of the pandemic, the same way a lot of bored people that were working remote staying inside were. Um, so yeah, March, 2020. Um, and I have, my career is in digital marketing. So things like Instagram, um, you know, other social media platforms, like knowing those kind of inside and out is, is huge for, for that kind of career. Just by being on TikTok, kind of saying, okay, this is the last place where people can go viral. What could this app, you know, possibly do for, you know, my career from a professional standpoint. So I do like to just be up to date on whatever the new technology is, you know, as I'm watching TikToks, following people, seeing trends, I'm also kind of trying to dabble in creating stuff, really just things like apartment tours, like of my old apartment at the time, or, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff like that, really basic stuff. But Nothing that was unique or exciting, just kind of having fun with it, would, would fiddle with it, mostly just lurk. May of 2022, so pretty much coming on a year of this now, as far as the name goes. I had TikTok, um, and just because of the nature of TikTok, I, when I was on there, I would see stories, like I, w- I would follow dating content because I thought it was interesting. I was single at the time, had some kind of struggles with dating, had been kind of in two longer term relationships back to back and basically found myself single in a big city for the first time and kind of being like, okay, wait, am I doing this right? Kind of like to follow dating content, but was averse to kind of making it just because, and I remember as I would see those, I would see people like story time of my dates. And then they would say like, oh my goodness, like this person found my TikTok and this guy dumped me because of it, because he didn't like a girl talking about him on TikTok. Or I would scroll through and I would see someone talking about something and it would get them fired from their job. So with TikTok, like with a lot of my other usernames, it's something, a play on of Charlotte, Charlotte Warren or Charlotte 805, like stuff like that. And I was like, I can't go too close to my real name. Like just in case I'm some kind of big TikToker, (laughs) like I don't want like, because people get into tr- people seem to get into trouble on TikTok a way in a way that they don't on other apps. So I was like, what could my name be? And I had this like ex boyfriend, you know, one of those like longer term relationships who just kind of had this very goofy kind of almost like fake bougie outlook on life. Like whenever I see all that like high value stuff, I kind of think about how he looked at the world. But he, you know, just loved to spend money in, in strange places. And one thing he would do was like unironically call people peasants for doing things like wanting to save money, you know, cut corner, like do things like go to happy hour instead of you know prime time dinner time spots or looking for coupons. And that's something I've always done. Like growing up, my mom had the Bed Bath and Beyond coupons on the side of her car door, like that kind of thing. So I would, before we go somewhere, oh wait, happy hour is at this time. Let's go at six. Or, you know, I'm going to go look up a coupon. They go, oh, Charlotte's over there off at her own little peasant party. And it was kind of like a funny nickname, I, I, I would say. And so I was kind of like, I kind of remember this whole like peasant insult, peasant party. And I was like, what could, the, what's a funny name? And I just put welcome to the peasant party. And it, it was, that was, so that was the name. And then yeah, May of 2022 uh, was at brunch with a, with a group of girlfriends, the way a lot of girls do going to brunch on the Saturday, having way too many mimosas. And we were telling like old stories. My closest friend was there and I tell the story, say, oh yeah, like, you know, remember that one guy you dated, he wore a really silly outfit to our, our company hall. She, she took him as her date to a company holiday party. I brought his like best friend we worked at the same company at one point brought them as our dates to the holiday party and she and and that guy had in my opinion dated they'd been you know going on dates for probably about a month and a half never materialized into a relationship but i said oh yeah remember 
you know, yeah, the guy you dated. And 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 she was like, well, she's like, we never dated. I was like, yeah, you did. She says, no, like we were never boyfriend, girlfriend. That's not dating. I said, no, dating, you, you were actively going on a bunch of dates with him for like a month and a half. No, that's that's dating. She's like, no, dating, dating's boyfriend, girlfriend. And whole debate at the table. And of course it's like, oh, so you think if someone goes on one date, they're dating? I was like, no, but she was she was going on dates with him for a month and a half. Like that's, what, what else would that be? And she said, well, that's talking. And I hate that, like, I hate when people call that talking. I was, I, of course, like big debate ensues and it ends on her saying well agree to disagree and slamming a mimosa back i don't take agree to disagree well so what i then did is i went home um and i was like i have to prove this point to her and i took a composition book because this if you've seen that one video there's one chart that's in a composition book that's the one and i draw this timeline where it's like the talking stage that's your window of time before this first date takes place you know obviously you know there's certain scenarios where you know, meet someone on a dating app, that's kind of probably a short talking stage. But you know, there's some scenarios where it's groups of friends, like people kind of have a flirty relationship, you call that talking if they haven't been on dates or whatever. But I put, you know, talking stage, once you've gone on that first date, and you're actively going on dates, you're dating. And that does not mean in a relationship doesn't mean boyfriend, girlfriend yet, but you're actively going on dates, that's dating. And you know, there's nothing wrong with calling it that. And then after doing that, I took it to TikTok to get buy-in from the world to prove my friend wrong. Um, I think some big influencer creator stitched it and was like, she's so right. And it basically just blew up, went viral, started a whole debate in the comments. Gen it tends to be like Gen Z versus millennials, a little bit regional as well. Um, it's always funny when international people chime in and you know start like British people always have weird things to say about this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then I realized I'm like, oh, okay, a viral video here. And I was kind of like, maybe there's something I could do with this because I always liked kind of dating topics. I, I wanted to do stuff with TikTok and kind of just was like, you know, maybe there's something here. And then I want to say it was the next weekend at a similar brunch table. We were talking about a scenario where a friend had been, you know, in her opinion, ghosted. And we were kind of talking more about it. Realized it's a guy who stopped talking. We're on a dating app. And I said, that's not ghosting. Like ghosting to me, it's like you have two people that are going on, on dates and then, you know, one one person reaches out to the other reasonably expecting a response and this person sneaks off into the night. I think it takes two to be ghosted. But then, and then from there, it was kind of like, what really is ghosting? Like, you know, ghosting kind of used to be this, you know, sneak off into the night, leave your whole family. And now it's something as small as not talking, stop talking to someone on a dating app. And, you know, what are you supposed to believe when someone says they've been ghosted? What do all these buzzwords mean anyway? Well, went home, kind of sat on that. I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here. Started to try to draw things up. And I was like, I can't do this with, I, I can't draw. And so I, being someone in digital marketing who does PowerPoint slides and presentations for a living, I was like, okay, what can I do with PowerPoint? I had a whole bunch of stuff like templates that I would use for work. Like, what is the definition of ghosting? And I kind of put it on an X, Y axis where it's like, the idea is, you know, how close are you with this person versus, you know, how much of an effort did you make to, for them to talk to you? Kind of laying out what is or isn't ghosting, put that on TikTok and that blew up as well. And then I realized, okay, I think we've got a niche on our hands, like dating topics using visual aids in some sort. And so I was like, okay, what's next from here? Obviously kind of where, where would I pick the topics? But that was kind of the rundown of how it all started. Like, you know, we've got a niche on our hands. My name there is still welcome to the peasant party. I'm now 10, 15,000 followers up. I'm like, I can't change it. So name's still welcome to the peasant party, but that kind of is what got me kind of where I was at. I think kind of that peasant party name kind of goes well with my content anyway. Just, I think it just fits the tone, like in the form of how dating side of TikTok takes itself so seriously. I think the peasant label is kind of fun. I think it's kind of an antithesis to a lot of that, you know, frou-frou, high-value dating stuff out there that's like just very pretentious. So I think it's kind of fun. I think it's, you know, shows like, 
don't take not taking self too seriously and just trying to have fun with it. I think in a lot of ways too, like I've kind of positioned my content and I, I truly believe it is almost like dating for misfits, like, you know, people that kind of are not really wanting to just be this like pretentious asshole and you know just trying to be themselves and have fun so you definitely use a lot of props yes. maybe maybe not a lot but you use some and the way that you use them i think is so interesting but in order to talk about the props kind of got to talk about some of the the general themes that we have so we have things like box theory we have your hatred for tinks we've got <laughs> high value the talking stage and what it means to be ghosted and how you bring all these elements together so what is your process in creating these videos, bringing them to life? Yeah. So I think as far as choosing topics, I go a lot based on you know demand and trends. Like if there is a big viral TikTok video of someone talking about some dating topic or issue or debate, I will tend to jump on that or depends on you know the, the types of comments that are left kind of on my page. Also looking at just, you know, who are kind of the big figures in this sort of dating or dating adjacent niche that have this following that have people that, you know, are, are loyal to them and kind of their ideas um, and either refuting that, you know, agreeing with that, agreeing with some of it. Um, so that's kind of where I've gone. Because at, at the same time, it's like, I like to make good content, but I also want to do things that people like. And there's also just that incentive for myself around you know, numbers, what's going to attract an audience. Um, and I do think the two go hand in hand, people, what people like and, and numbers and whatnot. So that's kind of where things tend to start. I think as far as things that have kind of clearly, like, I don't want to say irked me, but that have gotten my attention or a little bit more of like a personal passion. I think kind of one big pillar of that is like my, I don't want to say disdain for influencer culture and, and influencer takes, but not really a fan of influencers and kind of the dating advice they bring and just the influence it has on the world. I grew up in Southern California, so I grew up around Hollywood. I, I hate, I, ugh, I just hate it. Um, just kind of that very like influencer culture as a whole and just trying to get a million people to like you and just being an asshole to everybody. But yeah, so one big theme has been, you know, these big influencers, Tinks being one of those. And that was kind of the first big one I saw. So, so Tinks obviously has that box theory, which is her big idea of when a man meets a woman, Within the first five minutes, he's decided that he wants to sort her into one of three boxes, which is wants to sleep with her, wants to date her seriously, or wants nothing to do with her. And once you're in the boxes, one of the boxes, you can't move from box to box and you will never know what box you're in. So the solution to that is just don't think about the boxes and accept you'll be sorted into a box. And somehow that's supposed to be empowering. That was something, I mean, Tinks was just all over the place when I first got onto TikTok um, and had no presence. Um, and it was always something that kind of irked me. Like I would hear, I would listen to another podcast that would have her as a guest and she'd spout that off. And it was just something that just didn't sit right with me. Part of that being just who's generally her audience. Like her audience tends to be, you know, younger college aged women. And I think that advice is not really healthy to give to, you know, an audience that doesn't necessarily know their relationship with sex just yet. And kind of phrasing it as empowering. I mean, Tinks is in her early thirties. You know, she understands her relationship with sex. If it's not a big deal to her to just kind of float through life and just sleep with whoever, like I would say she's at the age where she could understand that a, you know, 21 year old college kid in, in Missouri, maybe not. Um, so that that's one big part of it. And I also just think it isn't true. And I think it's kind of a very weird way to look at like relationships. I think as a whole, like, you know, how you treat people matters. I think this kind of box theory idea encourages women, you know, if something doesn't work out to kind of be thinking like, oh, like I was just in this hookup box the whole time, like kind of looks at it as though, you know, something that doesn't pan out in a relationship. So someone you date and you decide this person isn't it. It's kind of like, oh, well, I was just in this hookup box and you can't really look back and reflect that like, what worked, what didn't, and that, and that helps you develop taste for the future. I also think too, like 
just some of the ideas she throws in there like oh you know if you're in this dating box you can just throw up in a guy's bed and he won't care and it's like no how you treat people matters like if you throw up in a guy's bed and he doesn't want to date you after the fact it shouldn't be like oh well I was in hookup box the whole time I'm just gonna throw up in everyone's bed it's like no that's a, that's a you problem so especially like I said with that younger audience that's learning their relationship with sex and also learning their relationship with alcohol. So that kind of as a whole was something that turned me off. I think kind of in addition to that is just where Tinks comes from and who she is as a person, wealthy influencer, um, you know, like I said, in her thirties understands her relationship with sex and just, um, kind of got where she was at talking about dating because she garnered this following on TikTok and people were just curious about her life dating celebrities and floating around these big LA parties which is unrelatable to that kind of general audience and I think as a whole like how she dates I, I'm not surprised that she thinks this like box theory thing is a thing because that she has this LA attitude of like thinking she's too cool for anything and it's like of course you think it's you're just being sorted into boxes you're not saying anything about what you actually want which is important so that's kind of my beef with this box theory I think I've really rode hard against it for you know a few reasons just being it's out there so much it has a big following so that that's kind of where it comes from I, I've had a lot less fun with it lately just because Tinks has kind of been canceled and so she I'm seeing it pop up a lot less is it your fault no no she had some <laughs> big scandal where people found her old tweets and like she lost a, a, you know has lost a lot of deals from it like kind of stayed away from kind of pushing too hard on Tinks but back when it used to be like oh like you know I'd, I'd scroll through and see a 22 year old being like rah rah Tinks like I, it was it was hard not to stitch that and be like f this box theory thing i think something to go with that too and this isn't unique to tanks but a lot of you know influencers that have podcasts they have merch they're always trying to come up with some form of a theory that makes a good sound bite it's easy to say in 15 seconds maybe they can put it on a sweatshirt you saw that with like the call her daddy girls and everything too like yeah. any sort of like influencer theory statement like that i'm always like okay what can i do with this because a lot of times i'm like oh, i don't agree with this and it's so important just to recognize like how you treat yourself matters yeah. but also you have to remember that you teach people how to treat you by what you tolerate in relationships so if you're allowing yourself to be put into a box mm -hmm. and you're going along with this theory and the way this is playing out for you, then you have to understand and expect that that relationship at the end of the day, you're betraying a portion of yourself to be in that relationship. And so when it does ultimately end, you can blame the person, but you also have to blame yourself at the same time for allowing yourself to just not set the boundaries that are necessary to get yourself out of that type of relationship or to even find that attractive. Oh, 100%. And um, it's you know, not maybe not even just tinks, but a lot there's a lot of this like influencer, you know, New York Hollywood types where it's like, play it cool. Don't tell anybody how you're feeling. And it's like, and then, you know, lo and behold, they don't, you know, people don't do that. And then it's like, there's disappointment after the fact. It's like, no, you kind of do have to set the tone and tell people how you feel. People try to make it seem like, oh, you know, I was just, because I think a lot of women do that. If, you, if you've ever read an R story page on someone's wedding website and how it's always written as though like the woman just floated through life and the guy was just this bumbling guy who just, you know, almost dropped the ring in the ocean and just had to chase her and stuff. And every time I've read one of those from one of my friends, I'm like, this is not how the story went. You nagged him a lot for that. I don't want to say nag, but you, you bugged him a lot for that ring or, you know, what getting into that relationship, you did have to sit down and say, Hey, this is you know where I'm at. And people like to phrase it as though, if you're just this ethereal, beautiful woman, like guys will just fall in your lap and just give you what you want without you saying anything or without you asking for it. And that's really not how it goes. Like, I, I think people don't really portray that on social media and influencers don't portray that or show that off. And I think people get the wrong idea that if I'm just, you know, if I'm just this hot person, everyone will just give me exactly what I want without me having to say anything. They'll be able to read my mind that that's not how things work. And then the question 
question is always, is that even really what you want? Exactly. You're, with, you're with this person and you have this goal and this dream of having that engagement and the wedding and everything that goes along with that. But we're not stopping to ask questions. Are we compatible? Is this a good relationship for me? Can I do this for the next 50 years? Do I know my goals, my values and my standards for a relationship with me? And does this relationship meet that criteria? Most often it doesn't. We're dating potential. We're looking at the potential of the person. We're not really living in reality. We're focused on some future event that could potentially potentially happen with this person. We're dating that potential and instead of recognizing, is this person emotionally available to me right now? Mm -hmm. Or am I creating a story about this relationship and hoping that it comes true later on down the road? I'll be happy when I get that ring. Exactly. Um, no, I totally agree with that. I think there's a lot of people, um, you know, just does he like me versus do I like him? Being afraid to ask hard questions, thinking like because they're afraid of what they might lose. So the rejection. Yeah, if say, yeah. If you say to yeah. someone like, Hey, like I'm, I'm taking dating seriously. Like, you know, sex means something to me saying things like that. You know, yeah, there's going to be guys who, who walk away like, they're, where they're like, Oh, well, like I, I'm not good I'm not there. And that's a good thing. Yes. Um, and I think some women are just like, they're, they're, they're afraid to lose that. And I, I don't think that's unique to uh, maybe highlighting a more female centric situation, but I think a lot of people are like that. They're afraid to you know have the hard conversations because they're afraid of what they're going to lose. Not really realizing that, yeah, that loss in the short term might suck. You're going to spend a night alone, but it's going to be so much better in the long run. Well, it ends up putting you, that rejection is just a redirection. So it ends up mm -hmm. putting you on the path to where you're supposed to be going a whole hell of a lot sooner than if you stay in a relationship that you know isn't meant for you, but from a scarcity mindset, you're just sitting there thinking, mm -hmm. well, what if this is the best that I can do? And that mindset is just brutal. You'll, you'll end up losing every single time. Exactly. So back to the themes that we've had previously, high value dating has been one of those major themes that you've talked about throughout your time on TikTok and social media. What is it? What does it look like? And what is it really defined as? High value dating. And that's, um, you'll see people say they're looking for, or they think they are a high value man or woman looking for another high value person. What's kind of interesting about that is, there's not really, um, there doesn't seem to be a one size fits all definition for it. People are using it differently, but there is kind of one version of it that, you know, people are parroting on TikTok, people with a lot of followers, you know, big dating coaches where it's this very kind of short, arbitrary list of qualities or traits that, you know, a man or woman should have to be considered this high value person that everyone should want to date. It's very different by gender, of course, where, you know, I think there's one, the one for men that if you've heard of Ask Nelly, the, the croissant girl, um, if you remember her, her videos that have blown up, you know, she's had, you know, there's four unfakeable traits of a high value man. It's, you know, must make a hundred K or more for at least three years, hang out with other hundred K or more, must be well-groomed and must have this social, like if you Google him, you should find a website, very arbitrary stuff. And then the one for women is something it's, of course, it's being young, being hot, all of that. And I know that there are people that use that high value term differently, basically to almost just mean something that's like, you'll have some people like, they'll say like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for this high value person. What they'll describe is, you know, someone who means what they say when they're dating or they, they make a plan. They make a plan versus, you know, just texting back and forth or inviting me over to their house. They do real dates. It's like, okay, they're so consistent. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's a person that's honorable. Um, yeah. But because of the definition that's kind of been hijacked by this sort of version of person on TikTok, I've really ridden hard against those terms. And when I've kind of come across people who are like, oh, well, that's not high, what high value means to me. I'm kind of like, you know, maybe choose another term to describe what you're looking for, because it's sort of encouraging this sort of narrow group of people, this very narrow minded, very almost pretentious group of 
of people. And something I think that comes with the shitty version of high value dating, I think there's obviously no nuance. I think something that first kind of comes with it is it just doesn't account for like where we stand just as a society right now. Just, you know, people, you know, they're, we're kind of in a recession. We're seeing a lot of layoffs. This whole like must make a hundred K or more thing is kind of, you know, if you look at salaries for police, fire, things like that, like they're not making hundred K or more. Are those people not valuable to you? Like men's, you know, a lot of issues like right now with you know men struggling, feeling lost. It's like, how is this supposed to help anybody? Yeah. Like strive to be the best version of yourself. But if you put these like arbitrary traits on it, I don't think that's fair to anybody. And there's a lot of different versions of value. I think that that's just something that's unfair it's unfair to people that have you know disabilities that you know are in a position where they're taking care of their parents like we're seeing further and further age gaps between kids and their parents adult children taking care of their parents maybe having to move closer to them it's so it's just this very kind of way of looking at things and it's 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 shitty and um and i so I, i really have a lot of disdain for that and i think kind of beyond that i think of a lot of people who fall into this trap of chasing this like high value thing or following that topic you know it's it's people that maybe you're struggling with dating struggling you know maybe socially on top of that, where maybe kind of their idea of if I achieve this high value thing, I'll I'll deserve this high value person for me. And it, it, I think it's bred kind of a sense of entitlement talking down to people. Because if you think there's high value people, then you think there's low value people. And high value, all these people that believe in it, like, oh, we don't run around calling people low value. It's like, yes, you do. There's plenty of videos that are doing that. So kind of building that almost like sense of superiority with people that are struggling with, with dating um, and kind of pushing them in a direction of that might not necessarily help what they're actually experiencing a lot of the times are attachment issues. They just don't know that that's what they're experiencing. So they're talking about all this high value stuff and they want and they need and they desire and they should have and you got to give me it. And when you hear them speak about their relationships, they're actually a lot of the times they're either more on the anxious end of things where it's like, give me, I need it. You're going to give this to me. I need you to validate me, love me, be there for me, do all the things for me. And then you also have the ones that are more on the avoidant end of things. You got to make six figures, all these things. You got to be absolutely perfect. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. This is how I want it. And this is the way it's going to be. And you're going to just give me all of that because of who I am. And it's like, man, if you guys would just read the book Attached or The Power of Attachment, your whole life would just, you know, completely blow up before your eyes. You would have much better relationships. If they're actually listening to this type of podcast, go read the books, do yourself a favor. I agree with that. Yeah. And I think that's something that is kind of missing from the people that are following that. First, I think there's either people who are selling it um, and they know that it's kind of it's kind of bullshit. And, and there's people that maybe that are kind of falling into it because, you know, they're, they're struggling with dating, struggling socially, feeling that sense of desperation. And I think the people that are selling it to them in the form of dating coaches and whatnot, they're selling people on that fear and that that feeling of desperation. I know just kind of being a woman, like I never really consider, I mean, of course, I think about how old I am. I'll, I'll be 30 next month. There's definitely a, ver- a version of, of TikTok that's, that really has a lot to say about 30 year old women who aren't married yet. It almost seems to be instilling a fear in a way that, you know, anything else in the world hasn't for me at least. And I think kind of knowing what I know and just being a person who goes outside, like it's something I can tune out, but I could see how someone, you know, who is struggling with loneliness would get scared and, and start kind of trying to look for answers or trying to look for different solutions because they, you know, fear dying alone or like, oh my God, your eggs are going to dry up, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The high value woman's stuff too is in my opinion kind of ridiculous like the the advice that you'll see for women to find this high value man it's like it, it almost feels like how to be an escort 101 the advice is like you know dress in this like hot but modest outfit and then go to like these fancy hotel bars and just sit there and you know a high value man who's rich will be there and just come and, and try to talk to you and you just be hot be as hot as possible like they're not attracted to you know successful women just keep your mouth shut about any accomplishments you have and just wait to be picked and it's like First, that feels like how to be an escort 101. It just does like lingering at a bar 
And yeah. then second of all, it's it's not true. I think the, the truth to it is that, you know, men maybe care less about, um, you know, women's career success. I think just as a whole, there's there's less of the, you know, like, oh, what do you do? Or like, you know, they're not going on Glassdoor and maybe looking up how much money people make the way women might with men. But it's it still matters in the trickle down economics of, you know, women being successful matters because guys tend to marry the women in front of them. And who's in front of them? Women who are kind of in a similar social circle. How do you be in that similar social circle as a successful guy? You'd be a successful girl. Ooh, and that right there, people. People don't like to hear that. Yeah, like you, you, if you look at any sort of you know wealthy person and, and who they're married to, it tends to be someone you know equally successful or from a similar social circle. Get yourself involved in groups, charity events, and shake as many hands as you can, and you'll find like-minded people. That Blame statement them. that men will marry the one that is right in front of them when they're ready to yep. get married, and that is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people out there that are out on the dating scene, thinking that you know you have to be a million and one things, and then you try to break yourself to be with this one particular person. But if they're not ready. They're not mm -hmm. going to just not be ready for you. It's going to be for anybody that comes into their path. How important are the check boxes? I think as a whole, like kind of with that, there's a double-edged sword to both. And I think there has to be a little bit of both. You know, you'll see people that are go that go all check boxes. And then you know, a lot of times they'll find someone, you'll hear a lot of women say, he checks all the boxes and just trying to convince themselves to, to like a guy because, but he checks the boxes, but he checks the boxes, but lo and behold, they don't feel something. But then you'll have people that, you know, float on because they you know don't think about you know the long term things that come with those box checking things like what what are their goals like where are they at in life and you're just oh but we have so much fun and then all of a sudden it's you know you want to go and, and buy a house kind of in the suburbs because you know you're ready for that you're ready to slow down and, and they're just still having fun and then it's like wait a second we we weren't on the same page yeah we had fun yeah we vibed it, chemistry was there but you also have to you have to bring some logistics into practicality it's always it, there's a fine line between you know the art versus the math i would say there's got to be art and there's got to be math i would tell anyone like when it comes to box checking don't ever put yourself in the position of i, I tell everyone never say never because there's sometimes someone that breaks a rule that surprises you in a, in a way that you wouldn't even think of you know someone where it's like oh you know i wouldn't i would never date someone who didn't go to college something like that and then you know lo and behold down the road you meet someone who didn't and box checking goes out the window i think there, i would say never say never but kind of bring the logistics into the chemistry i would say is important one of the things that i had recently and it's popped up a couple times is mm -hmm. women that are dating men mm -hmm. that they're not particularly fully interested in they've gone on dates they've they've had a great time with them and these men are, they're good people they and the women will say all the right things about the person but then they'll end it with just not attracted to him and i feel like i'm forcing that attraction but then they continue to date that person oh my gosh so, such a ugh, you see that no, i know and and it's so hard because it's like you want to give that person advice but they're so blocked off and they have that barrier up that they're not even prepared to hear anything that you have to say regarding that but in the meantime that other person the man that's involved in this relationship is catching feelings. He's thinking this is a great relationship. Things are going well. She keeps seeing me all the time. And he doesn't know that that other shoe is going to drop at a moment's notice. What would a chart on something like that look like? Yeah. And I, I think um, kind of the root of that, because I've, I've, I've people, people have talked about Kind of this issue and why why is this such a, a woman thing and i think where it comes from first of all is I, I don't think you see as many guys you know going on a date with a woman they're i guess not attracted to in a sense of you, know, you see more women say like you know maybe he'll have a nice person i don't know if i see it but you know maybe i'll learn something maybe it'll grow because you hear all the time like there are people you see more women having slow burns they're attracted to more of like the full pie versus i think men are more visual mm -hmm. um so i think that's why you see more women kind of 
going down that road in the first place. If a guy's not attracted, he's not going on the date in the first place. I also think something that contributes to that is kind of that like fears that you know women place on themselves and then kind of pressure that gets placed on women by either other women or society as a whole. Like, like I said about women feeling like, you know, that biological clock kind of makes some women do some interesting things. Like you're taking a shot at a basket um, when the buzzer goes, you f- or you feel like you're taking it when the buzzer goes, you're going to just you know, take more Hail Marys versus when you've got uh, the whole rest of the game to go. If you're a 30-year-old woman and you've got a good guy in front of you, you know, do you have all the time in the world to throw this guy away and see what else is out there? So that kind of pressure, I think also with women, you know, not only is it like maybe this attraction will go, there's a lot more women who just don't take no for an answer when they're trying to set you up with a guy or put it, push another guy in front of you. Like if a woman, a woman says to another woman, like, hey, like you should totally go on a date with this guy. I know. And the woman is kind of like, hi, ah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I see it. But I think guys like, you know, when they say no, other people take that no for an answer. Women, you'll get pushback of like, but he's nice and kind of pushing you into that position to, to date that guy. Yeah. So it's just that kind of pressure that gets put on women by other people and themselves where that kind of leads to women being in that position in the first place. Um, and those anxieties stick around where it's like, oh my gosh, but he checks all these boxes. Like this could work and stuff. But then it's like when you're not fully in, you know, all it takes is just something to happen to, to get you out of that situation and you've and you've hurt someone's feelings he bled somebody on and that i think that's really it's not quite i think a, a lot of women like i think nobody thinks they're evil like so many people think there's all these like boys and gold diggers running around i think a lot of people like think they're doing the right thing and rationalize what they're doing as the right thing or giving somebody a chance versus leading somebody on but it, it's it's not an okay thing to do and it, it hurts people so i would yeah i would tell women if you have this feeling of like i just don't see it like walk away earlier and i would tell you know because I, I know w- w- women get in positions where they they feel led on led on too but also to if you know if you're in the position um you kind of being aware of what the other person is doing and asking the right questions like you know push came to shove and you know a guy was had that hard conversation with a with a woman and said directly like oh you know like i see this going here like it would be really hard for a woman to kind of live in a land of plausible deniability or just um you know acting like she's going along with things that would kind of force her hand to say how she's feeling so i would say for people on both sides like communicating your feelings and, and what you want is super important this is where i get into you really need to listen to your nervous system and the yeah. way that in the way that you feel if If you feel like your partner, the person that you're dating is uncertain about you or uncertain about the situation, and this will pop up in in different things like canceling plans, and it'll be all these little small incremental things over time that are going to make you start to feel uncertain. When that pops up, you need to listen to that because there's something going on inside of that other person. And they might tell you, oh, it's it's fine. Everything's fine. There's no big problems. There's nothing going on. I've just been stressed. I've had a lot of stuff going on at work. I've had all these things that have been happening, but I'm seeing it from the other side of things of being a coach and I'm getting all this information and Mm -hmm. what's really going on a lot of the times now this isn't every situation so calm down they're experiencing wanting somebody else they have Mm -hmm. all these needs these wants these desires and the person that they're dating right now doesn't necessarily fit that but they're having experiences with other people in their sphere of influence within friend groups or work or travel they're experiencing the type of people that they actually want to date but then Mm -hmm. they're kind of holding on to that other person for a safety because of that scarcity mindset that they're living in. That's just not fair to the other person. So if you're listening to this and that's an experience that you've had and you're going through that, or you're the person on the other side that's feeling uncertain, you need to explore that uncertainty and figure out what's going on in that relationship for your own benefit. Totally. Um, and I think just as a whole, like dating doesn't work the way college applications or, or people like to compare dating to, you know, applying for jobs, like, oh, always have a backup plan. Like, but dating isn't like a job, like dating doesn't pay your rent. Like, you know, yeah, they you know, tough 
tough job market, yeah, you might have to accept a job you don't totally want in hopes that something better comes along eventually, but you have to keep the lights on. You've got to feed yourself. Like that's not how dating works. Like you're leading somebody on if you just accept something just for the sake, just for the sake of it, or, you know, oh, I'm just going to go in as many dates as possible. Just, you know, hoping something sticks. It's like, that's, that's not how it works. Yeah. That works for job applications. Just throw the bazooka out there and see what happens. But no, dating your time is valuable and your feelings are valuable. You know, there's no other thing in life that brings people's feelings on that personal level into things um, and you know, applying for jobs or anything like that. Like you've got to, to really, I think, pursue one person. You can't, you can't half-ass one thing. Like you can't keep that person that you're kind of interested in in hopes that someone else will come along because you've got to have your whole heart ready for that versus, you know, half in, half out with someone else. Dating apps, love them, hate them, or indifferent? I think they're a necessary evil um, is what I would call them. I think they're not going away anytime soon. Um, I think at one point last year, we were of the t- at the 10 year anniversary of Tinder. So I think as a whole, like they're just not going anywhere. So, like, and you'll, and you'll see it too. Like people saying they hate them, but they're just, they can't seem to get rid of them. And I think it's because they've added some level of, of convenience as far as meeting people goes. Um, I think also it's hard to create something new in terms of a dating app, which is why you see people still using Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, because no matter how good the app is, one big part of the dating app is that part of the product is the other users on it. Like I've seen people try to create new dating apps. Um, you know, one struggle is just, you know, there's not enough people on it. Like, what's the point? You can have this great user interface or this great concept, but you've got to like start the things off on the right foot with getting people on it. So it's kind of had, you know, Tinder and, and Hinge, Bumble, all those big ones being able to, to do whatever they want. I think they've created a, like a gamification of dating apps where it's like a, a pay to play to have your name at the top. People have, are always trying to talk about ways to hack or beat the system to get, you know, the right people on it to get more people. So I think they're a mess, but they're also a necessary evil. And you also can't discount the fact that people have met their their spouse on it. Like I, the last wedding I went to, one of my, my best friend, um, you know, met her husband on Tinder. And of course, like, you know, they didn't want to tell anybody at first, but it does put you in front of people that maybe you wouldn't have had the chance to meet elsewhere. But I think it really just depends how you use them um, in terms of just the success, not necessarily the success, but the experience, because there's some people who kind of either are too reliant on them or, you know, are trying to use them too lazily. They're like, oh, I had a bad experience. It's like, well, you, you kind of, you either went too hard or went too soft with it. That's kind of my take. Necessary evil. I personally didn't like them. Um, I think a certain type of person does better on them than others. And I just felt like I, did. I never liked them. But that's another thing you just see on, on TikTok a lot of is like people sharing these experiences um, and, he- and hearing about others, you know, not realizing that someone in a totally different geographic location or life stage or, or age might be having a different experience for a totally different reason. And then they're like, well, you're wrong. In Austin, for example, um, so with dating apps, one big reason I never liked them Um, When I was on them, I was on Hinge. And one big reason for that is Austin is a huge tourist city with Tinder and Bumble. It was all like geolocation. It was just drowned out in bachelor parties looking for girls to come hang out with them. So it was just, it was exhausting in the sense like people could say, oh, well, that's a good thing. There's too many people. It's like, I don't want to hang out with bachelor parties. Like, no, like, so it was very much like, like, I don't even want to say it was too many options because that's a non-option for me. That's it's, it's guys looking for, for girls to hang out with the, like, we're here for a bachelor party. Come hang out with us. Like Every single profile or business traveler, oh, here for a conference, you know, looking for a cute girl to take to a cocktail or something. And it was, you know, Hinge, you had to be more intentional with your location change. So I I did use that one when I was 
on it. Um, but even then, like you would still see people being like, oh, here for a bachelor party, but you'd see it less. But you know, that I think is, you know, and most women will tell you that like that live in Austin where it's just like big overwhelming message of your woman Thursday to Monday on Bumble and, and Tinder are just a lost cause. It's all bachelor parties. That's like something you would see like in a big city like Austin. With all the dating advice that's out there right now, what is the single worst piece of advice that you're hearing? I think kind of as a whole, the, these like arbitrary, like top five ways to do things or anything like that, that almost like guarantees an outcome. I'm really averse to like, I think that's why a lot of what I do is like, here's a, a, um, a scale where, you know, it's probably somewhere in the middle or here's what things could mean versus here's what things do mean. I think anything that guarantees somebody an outcome or gives someone a, you know, a 100% sure diagnosis is bad advice. And I think anything that, you know, unnecessarily instills fear in people is bad advice. Like I think there's a lot of dating advice out there or dating content creators that really either profit or, you know, Get a, get a lot of engagement based on other people's loneliness and people looking for answers. Do these top three things and what it ends up being is some sort of manipulation of somebody else's trauma. Exactly. And then it's buy my course in bio and buy my, buy my very long course and we'll keep you single so you keep buying my course. You talk a lot about hills that you're willing to die on. What is your current hill that you're willing to die on right now. There's always a new hill. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I, I will die. I will die on a, a small ant hill. I know it. I mean, the top. If you're talk, if you are actively going on dates with someone, you're calling it talking. You're a freaking idiot. I just hate, hate that. If you're actively going on dates with someone, you're dating, and that will be a hill I will forever and always die on. Right, so let's dive into that a little bit deeper. The talking stage. Yeah. What, what is it? What does it look like? And why are people so adamant that it even exists? Yeah. So when when I first was on TikTok, I would hear people say like, oh, like these things, like oh like another failed talking stage. And at first I was confused because I'm like, why are these people getting so hung up on their dating app matches that they haven't even met in person? Because in my mind, that's talking stage or, you know, someone that they haven't even really, you know, you maybe the person that's, they kind of know that's DMing them on Instagram. Why are you getting so hung up on this person? Then I realized people are calling talking stage this whole window of time of getting to know someone, but you're not calling it anything. And I think that's kind of part of, part of it. Like I firmly believe like when you start actively going on dates with someone that's dating, dating should not be a scary word. And that's kind of oh. your Oh, but it is. That's the thing though. And I think being averse to the term dating, which describes what you're doing, actively going on, on dates with somebody. If you're not actively going on dates, you're doing more hanging out type things, casual stuff like, oh, let's meet up. I'm out. That's different. But if you are kind of, you're actively going on dates, you are sending the message that you are progressing something and interested in, in you know, the potential of a relationship. I really do think that you're, I think that that's kind of something I see in Austin a lot too. I, I know you mentioned like, oh, like what behaviors do you see in Austin? And I think this is because of, you know, people having disposable income, you know, guys do get lonely, but when you're in a big city, maybe you're not in a rush to be in a relationship. You know, a lot of times where it's, it's like this almost drop in the bucket to, you know, take a broad on a nice date. And it would be fun to do that, but it doesn't mean anything. You don't want the responsibility of it. You almost want this like boyfriend, girlfriend experience. And I think kind of to avoid this whole like, this whole thought of like, oh, this, this means something people don't even call it what it is, which is dating. And so I think that there is a strong correlation between, um, you know, people who call doing that talking and, you know, what they want and what they're looking for and how seriously they're taking dating. So when I hear people insist on calling it talking, like I'm always like, okay, do you just talk your way into a relationship? And those people kind of are evasive about the question. Um, I think it says so a lot about your intent. When does the talking stage end? I think it ends after the first date takes place as you continue to actively going on, go on dates. Because if you go on one date, that's not dating. Um, I think because there's so many like first dates that don't materialize into something else. I think yeah. you have that second date planned. You have that is now dates and you have this like, you're act yeah, actively going on dates, like you're planning, continuing, you know, to go on dates, things are escalating. I think once you stop going on those dates, you are no longer dating. That is now past tense. Like you don't just, you're not just 
constantly dating someone until the end of time, just because you did at one point. Sometimes the ending is more clear with some relationships than it is with others. Like sometimes it's, you know, hey, like I don't see this. And then there's other people where it's, you just you fizzle out or you ghost them and run off into the night. Um, but it is in reference to actively going on date on dates you go on three dates and then you never hear from this person again you dated them you dated them but is that ghosting well it depends so i firmly believe it takes two to get ghosted because something you'll see a lot of people do is they'll they'll go on dates they might have a nice time they might even go home and say hey thanks for a nice time tonight by a text and then they never hear from that person again but i don't think that's ghosting i think it is ghosting when you reach out to someone and can expect a response and express that you want to see them again saying like hey this was awesome would love to see you again what are you doing thursday and they don't respond to that that is ghosting because you know for sure they want to see you again like if like it's pretty clear and them ignoring that that would be ghosting um if you just say thank you it's kind of like oh like did they have enough fun like because there's a lot of people that i think you know, are on the other side of things where no nobody wants to be the person that you know assumes that has this big ego and assumes this person just is obsessed with you or something like i've been in those positions where it's kind of like if i send this rejection tech text will it sound patronizing like like i've been on the, the kind of that side of things and so some people are averse to you know, even doing that. Um, but I think when it becomes clear that someone's interested in seeing you and they express that and you ignore it, you are ghosting them. You are avoiding telling them that you don't want to see them again in favor of silence. I totally advocate for the thank you after a first date. How I do agree. you feel about that? You agree? Hundred percent. That's been a whole debate too, and I don't under, I don't understand why people don't like it. Like the people that are, ride very hard against it. First off, why anyone is so against this thank you text is beyond me. Like there are some, a lot of times it's these high valued women dating coaches where they just say like. If you, the second you send a thank you text, you are telling this, you are revealing all your cards. You know, this guy's going to think you're obsessed with him. It puts the ball in their court. Like they have all the power now. They know you like them. Like the message is sent. I'm interested, like kind of with the idea that if you don't like someone, you wouldn't say thank you. I've always, I always said thank you, no matter what, unless right. I was very uncomfortable and had nothing to thank them for. I always said thank you. And you know, you'll never know how much, they, if they actually, if, you won't, you won't know if they actually like you because you've just given them an excuse to text back versus them doing it on their own. I think personally, thank you texts, um, as well as even like, I'll call them like operational texts, like things where you say like, hey, I'm on my way or like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. I think those don't count as tech. I don't think those count as double texting. I see those as like the confirmation texts you get when you buy a ticket for something. I never, I never, no one ever gets mad at those. People do get mad when they get a bunch of spam emails saying buy the tickets. But when you get the ticket saying like you're, you, you know, you're confirmed for your tickets or reminder, this event is tomorrow or thanks for attending this event. That's, that's operational. It's, it's not like, oh my God, this company's blowing me up. Um, I think the same for dating and texts. I think also kind of on the note of thank you texts, um, on a similar note, there's way too many people where they're afraid to send texts that can help them get through the day and plan their day because of, you know, they think it might send a message. So like the, hey, are we still on for later? Like, you know, the advice to women where it's like, if I don't hear from them by 10 a.m., I'm just assuming the date's off. And, you know, guys who don't think about makeup and stuff like that at noon who text and then they've got this arbitrary rule and then all of a sudden they're out of a date. It's like plan your, like, do you not have your own kind of day to plan out? Like, I, I hate that, that kind of advice. So what about confirming dates? Do you have to confirm the date? Because from my perspective, I dated in the late 1900s where we didn't have access to 
iPhones and all this other stuff. So when you set a date, you said, I will pick you up Friday at seven, which meant I will be there Friday at seven, unless there's some sort of significant event that occurs between now and that time, the date is on. There was no confirmation. There was no, hey, pick up the phone and be like, are, are we going on a date still? Should we be confirming in modern dating? Prior I think to the date? so, just because I think that just the general easiness of it, it's kind of like, why not? Like, you know, your your time is valuable. I think everyone should protect their time, not just, you know, for the message. Like, it's not about the message it sends. It's, it's for your own sake and planning your own, your own day. Like, there's so many times where things like can change the, mor the morning of, like, especially if you you're one of those people that, you know, you plan a date for a week ahead, a lot can happen a week. And maybe I'm just speaking as someone who lives in a, a big city with, you know, a lot of people that maybe don't put as much thought into planning. Like, I think, you know, if you, um, you know, maybe don't live as, as big of a city, or you're someone that a date has a lot higher stakes, like if you're a single parent, and that means a babysitter, like it might, might look a little different. But um, in Austin, just a lot happens in a week to where you should probably text that person the morning of um, just with how people go about their lives here. Um, so I think it also it just doesn't hurt, you know, one sentence like, hey, like, looking forward to later today, confirming we're still on. Because um, even then, when I've done that, sometimes you get the oh my gosh, like, can we push it back by 30 minutes? You know, if someone does that in the morning, I don't think that's a big deal. I think, you know, if you get to the dates in an hour, and you, they keep pushing it back by 30 minutes, not a good thing to do. But I think just because you can, and because it's easy, like if you think back in the day, if it's like, you had to call someone on the phone, and that prevented you from getting out the door in the morning, that'd be a different story. Um, you know, a text, it's like, you can send that as you're walking out. So I always, I always liked to and then it was also you know kind of move the day forward and, and for my own sake and planning and whatnot so we're definitely confirming the morning of not yeah. like 20 out 24 yeah. hours before or anything i like also that. would say yeah i would also send on my way texts too um i, I love those I, I do that all the time i think mm -hmm. it's so important and you know you always get compliments on that too hey i'm 10 minutes out and then you get there and they're like thank you so much for that. That was so totally. helpful. And it's such a simple text that you can send when you're on your way just to let them know. Totally. And I think one other part of the thank you text, and I think whenever I see the anti thank you text thing, it's always from people in New York. And I think that plays a role in it because okay. every time I've left a date, like in Austin, generally speaking, people drive to their dates, um, unless you're two people living in a high rise downtown. So a lot of times a date ends with a guy saying, text me when you get home safe. So part of that package deal of thank you, like I'm not just going to send got home safe without a thank you. Um, so I, I think most areas you send that got home safe text, especially if you've maybe had a drink or two, like still safe to drive. But, you know, like a lot of times guys do that to be nice. They want to make sure the girl got home safe. I think New York, if someone's walking or your, your dates just down the street because you're dating, you only want to date people in the same borough or neighborhood as you, it might look a little bit different. Well, at the same time, you're parting ways for mm -hmm. the evening and they're hopping in an Uber. A million and one things could happen between hopping in that Uber and getting home. So I, I think it's just the right and kind thing to mm -hmm. do is to to have that check-in totally and then what about the rejection text should it be a text should it be a voice message should it be face-to-face -face? should it be over the phone is it an email how are we rejecting people well there's no right way to break up with somebody i will say that so anyone who's looking for the right way well jokes on you it's gonna suck you're gonna feel like a dick for it i do think kind of how you go about breaking up with somebody should reflect the relationship you've had with them you know in both the seriousness and how they like to communicate just as you break up with them obviously it should be about you and what you want but um taking their feelings into account like how the channel they like to be communicated with i think will make it easier um so you know some people like know how a person likes I, well i think first if you are in a committed established relationship you're breaking up in person establish that but yeah there, it's kind of dicey before that like the you know when when, when does something not warrant a break breakup text when is a breakup text almost presumptive or condescending just altogether so i think kind of those scenarios pre-relationship it's you kind of have to look at it 
based on, you know, how serious did you seem to get? And then how does this person like to be communicated with? So I think if you've, if they've told you, some people just tell you like, oh, like I hate being broken up with this way. Listen to that. Don't just think like, I don't know. I, I had a scenario kind of looking back where a guy used like an in-person breakup. And basically I thought it was a date and it was kind of like, cool. I put on makeup and, and went over here just so you could feel like a good guy who broke up in person. It was like, could have done a text. Like, and of course he's like, well, I just, I thought I, I was, I'm trying to be a good guy. And I, I always say sometimes like guys kindness their way into being an asshole. That was a clear example of kindnessing your way into being an asshole. I would avoid that in person in those scenarios. Like if you're a guy, almost because like women will see it as like a, a a potential date. I think if you're breaking up with someone in person, it should be, hey, can I swing by your house? Can we chat? That way they're they're at home. They don't have to be in public, like unless you're worried about your safety. Like no one should be like caught off guard in a public place like that. And then also at their place so that you can leave. They don't, you know, if someone's upset, you just want to protect yourself that, you know, they're not going to linger at your house. That's only if you really think that in person helps. Like they've told you they like to have hard conversations in person or you have a hunch that they would say, you know, why couldn't you have done this in person? I think as far as like call and texts go, like that really depends on like, you know, if, if you've only texted them and don't like to talk on the phone, they get a phone call, like that might be kind of weird. Um, but I say, I think going with the channel you think is most comfortable based on kind of how you've been communicating makes the most sense. And then I think kind of within that text um, or within that conversation, not getting too into the weeds of like assuming how they're feeling, just make it do it all in I terms. Like, you know, this isn't right for me. And, um, and being clear that you are breaking up with them. Like as much as it kind of like feels shitty like don't leave any room for them to think like oh like you know they're just trying to slow things down or something like that there's going to be a text back after you send that rejection text i encourage people answer it if it's more of a benign question but beyond that you've already rejected them you've sent the text you have nothing else to say there's yep. nothing you've already explained yourself and what people are often looking for is closure mm -hmm. but from my perspective closure doesn't exist because people are going to often tell you what they think that you want to hear just so you'll leave them alone what, yep. are your, what are your thoughts? I think the only way you can get closure is if you find it for yourself. Nobody else can just give it to you. And I think closure for you is an answer that it relies on someone else doing something you can't guarantee they're going to, that's out of your control, then you, know, you can't go looking for it. Like closure, in my opinion, is more like, what do you need to tell yourself to consider some consider things over like actions or steps you can take to make something feel more over for you. So I think like an example of doing actual closure, like people who are in kind of those long running things where they feel like they've been ghosted. Like I tell people when they feel like they're being ghosted, like break up with the other person, like close that door so that they don't come back. Because a lot of times like reason people ghost, it's, they're not actively trying to ghost someone. It's more like they fall off the radar and, you know, they don't break up with someone because the door is then closed if they want to come back then they have to answer for like oh you know why did you say you didn't want to see me anymore they can just come back and say oh i've been so busy so i tell people like if they're being they feel they're being ghosted or it's been too long since they've heard from someone you go break up with them because that gives you that closure it closes the door so i think closure exists in in that way i think if someone sends you a, a breakup text i mean like responding to them i think if you're the person that sends the breakup text i think there's some people who think ghosting still applies once you've broken up with someone if you have broken up with someone you are no longer ghosting them if they keep bugging you you're not ghosting them so you don't have to answer any questions i also think if you say something like i don't feel a spark that's not a lie you don't have to force yourself into an uncomfortable conversation it's also like I think some people think that there's some sort of like onus on them to give someone feedback so they can do better in the future. You don't have to do that. Like you're not again, it's not, not a job interview. It's not a job interview. <laughs> yeah. It's also like whatever you're thinking might not be something wrong with them. I think that and then yeah, like I said, people on the other side of it, like you you can ask questions. I would almost say like, you know, sit on it and don't say anything like out of frustration. Um, because sometimes like 
you know, the, the first initial thoughts when you get like a breakup text is like, I would, I would almost say like sit on it for 24 hours or something or give yourself a few hours. So you don't just say something you'll regret. Well, and the other thing is the person that's doing the breaking up, mm -hmm. they don't necessarily know a lot of the times or how to articulate what it is that they're actually feeling. They just know that something's off. Something's not mm -hmm. right. This doesn't feel good. And I don't want to do this. And being away from this situation makes me feel good. So mm -hmm. I, I need to be away from the situation. Totally. Um, yeah. And I think what people say in their breakup text doesn't so much matter as much as the intent. I think one thing that I used to get kind of riled up on back in the day, and maybe it was just, you know, a, a me ego thing kind of, you know, have had ego and more in the sense of just, I don't like to be talked down to. I don't like to be like the last to know something. That's something I've, I've, I've had to work on. Um, but I always would get angered by breakup texts because sometimes they were just written in this way that I felt like was patronizing. Like I would be like, it would always be like written in a way where it's like, I'm sure this isn't what you want to hear. You're a great girl. Like go get back out there sport. Like it's assuming like, a so lot, right? It, it read a lot like a, a, a dad telling his six-year-old daughter who lost her soccer game that everything was going to be fine. And I'm sure where that came from, because everyone likes to be broken up with differently. I'm sure it came from someone who, you know, a girl saying your breakup text wasn't nice enough. There's no right way to break up with somebody. So I almost had to, like, my solution to that was I would get those texts and I would I would just, I, I would see a, a big long text and I would just, I delete it and, and I wouldn't answer it. But that was my first version of closure. Like maybe the guy was kind of like, oh my God, she was okay. Is she okay? She didn't answer. My version of closure was not reading a message that made me feel talked down to. So how you accept that is kind of on you. And I also, yeah, I would block the number because part of it too is like, if you break up with me, you can't come back. Like, and I think that's helped me like just blocking the numbers. I, I I'll block anybody. Like, I don't, I don't think it's personal. You, you just heart the message and then block them. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would like, I would see a big message on a preview and then I would go and I delete the message. I wouldn't read it. I would know they were breaking up with me. If they had follow-up questions or some sort of counter offer of like, Oh, you know, we can still hang out. I didn't even have to read that. And then I would block the numbers so that they couldn't come back. That leads right in to my next question. How do I get my ex back? Should I take my ex back? Because a lot of times they're they're in this revolving door of the ex goes away for a little bit. And then six months later, they're back again saying, hey, what's up? How you doing? Do you take them back? It's a, that's such a, and it's such a loaded question because I think every scenario is different. Like my initial, my initial like answer is, is just no, based on the circumstances. I usually see these things happening. Um, because usually it's like, you have to think about like what circumstances brought them back. How long have they been apart? Like, you know, what, what, what led to this breakup in the first place? Like, I think, you know, something that people realize like when they break up with someone is you don't realize like, you know, how low, like, yeah, you maybe don't feel something with that person, but then you don't realize like what loneliness feels like. Maybe you think dating will be easier. Maybe you know, you'll see guys where it's like they break up with the girlfriend and they go out with their boys to the bar and all of a sudden it's like, oh, whoa, this isn't as easy as I thought. Like, um, and a lot of times it doesn't come from a place of like, oh man, like just going back to the ex. Like I think it does, like people don't think they're doing anything wrong by it. Like they're just lonely, but they're not thinking far ahead on like, you know, this impact on this other person and like, you know, a, a long, hard decision on like, what, what could this lead to? Do I want this in the long term? That, like, I think those kinds of breakups, absolutely not. I also think if you make it, if it's too easy for them to come back, that sets the stage for, for kind of an issue. Um, Cause some people just come back to the last person they came from because it's just what's easy. Like there's, if they left on what they think is friendly terms without any consequences set up. So if you like, I don't know, end something with somebody and you know, it ends on, you know, you being nice and be like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like if you ever change your mind, like I'm here. You're on good terms. Then, you still follow each other on yeah, social like, media. Exactly. You're yeah. still following social media or like, 
you can hard eyes your way on an Instagram story back into their bedroom. Like then it's, then it's something that's almost too easy. Like I firmly think like, and people say, oh, but then that really closes the door. I think blocking is a healthy thing to do. I think even on social media, I think, you know, if you don't want to do like phone number and stuff, but I think if someone really wants to come back to you, they have to choose a channel that's harder and they have to come back hat in hand and acknowledge kind of the past. I think it, you know, it can't just be hard eyes. It can't just be, you know, 11 o'clock haze. It has to be, you know, hey, like, you know, sometimes past, like, hey, like, I've thought about this. I acknowledge how this ended. This is like what I want, you know, like, you know, could we see what's here? Like, can't just hard eyes or just, you know, think it's okay to just kind of walk back into where they left off. Um, so I think it has to be hat in hand and, or like, you know, significant amount of times past where you're in different places. Like, you know, the, the person you dated in college that reconnect with 10 years later, I think that's a totally different story. But the endless cycle thing, I can't let it be too easy. And if it was just too easy for them to come back, like, of course they're going to. And I think, yeah, like how someone behaves, like it counts. And if, if they screw it up, you know, if you do kind of one chance and it doesn't, they come back hat in hand, it doesn't work. Like, don't let it happen. Like, then it's like, you know, there's, make it less easy for people to come back and, you know, don't let them. Like, I think people being stuck in a cycle has prevented people from meeting the right person um, and like waste and has caused people to waste a lot of time. Charlotte, I want to thank you for being here today. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, I'm on TikTok at, at welcome to the peasant party. One big word. Um, there is a um, Instagram account of the same name where I try to move things over to reels for anyone who is not on the clock app. That's primarily where most of my content is. Yeah, we'll be honored to have any and all of you as well.